Hello, and welcome to the Honest Politics Podcast. My name is Alex Gamsik, and I am the founder of Honest Politics, LLC. My company does high-level political consulting, but not for politicians. My services are catered to everyday Americans, just like you and me. So let's get started. Today, I want to go through the archives. I want to look at past research that I've done, because sometimes you're struggling for new information, you're taking in so much, and you forget to realize... I've done a lot of work already, and it's good to revisit um, some of the things I've done. And particularly, this subject I certainly care about because I was born in the Republic of Georgia, which is a country located between Russia and, uh, like, the Middle East. Uh, It's about the size and population of South Carolina. Um, 90% of it is Georgian Orthodox. They have their own Orthodox church. Other demographics, uh, it's not really wealthy of a country, but it's not destitute either. And I wanted to talk about it today because it's an important case study when learning about democratization. What is a democracy? And uh, how important is democracy? So the title of this paper, and I wrote this in November of 2013, just for context. So a lot has changed in the six years, but I think it's very important to realize. Georgia's transition to democracy, the struggle against Kerr Putchin. So I misspelled a ton of things in here. I swear the research is fine. The spelling is not. I'm going to post the citations and stuff on uh, honestpoliticsllc.com on the blog section. You can learn the citations, and I may even post the whole paper up there. But forgive the spelling. I want to say up front, the middle can get kind of dense with details on George's recent history, but the beginning and the end are extremely important with broad takeaways. For this reason, I'm actually going to read the introduction and the conclusion first. There will be a short break with the um, jingle music, and then you will hear the middle of the paper, the supporting details after that. So you can choose to stay for the next 10 minutes or so, or you can stay for the rest of the podcast. Either way, I hope it's fruitful for you. So let's get started. I misspelled... Oh my god, there's a grammar error in the first sentence. The collapse of the Soviet Union was seen as great accomplishment for the advancement of American interests and democracy itself. However, the remnants of the Soviet Empire remained largely authoritarian, with even some retreats from democratization. A noble exception to this trend is Georgia, which has established a transition to democracy that has been plagued by corruption and prioritization of state building, but is nonetheless likely to lead to a democracy in the future. The path to democracy will be difficult, given that it has never existed in the region before. Even so, continued support from the United States and other Western countries will be a key factor in helping Georgia democratize. More importantly, the people of Georgia have expressed through mass protests that they truly do want a democracy. The definition of democracy has changed over time, but its original principle has always remained the same. A democracy is a system of government in which the citizens control their own fate. In a democracy, anyone can become a representative via free elections that are fair and open to all free adults. These representatives will then implement the wills of their constituents through laws that benefit the people, including the protection of basic liberties. Such liberties include the freedom of speech, assembly, and free press, which allow for peaceful competition against the government. Competition is essential to democracy, for a country is only truly democratic after its first peaceful transition of power between factions. 
This proves that democracy is stable and capable of responding to the dynamic will of the people. Citizens should have the greatest influence on elected officials. Therefore, when governments are corrupted by bribes and personal greed, they abandon that democratic principle. These factors all place power in the citizens, while authoritarian regimes place absolute power in the rulers themselves. Authoritarian governments ensure that power remains in the leaders of the country alone, because one faction controls the country and the common people have no say in the political process. Leaders are not elected fairly, nor are they accountable to the people, so instead they govern based on self-interest. The citizens of authoritarian regimes often have a lower quality of life than those in democracies. Among the many forms of authoritarianism are dictatorships, oligarchies, and communist regimes. One such communist empire, the Soviet Union, collapsed in 1989 and split into 15 different countries. One of these countries, Georgia, has made the greatest strides in its transition to democracy. It crafted its constitution in 1995, modeled off American and European governments. This constitution has all the makings of a democracy, including a re representative parliament, directly elected president, and protection of civil liberties. There are provisions that are reminiscent of Georgia's authoritarian past. Now, you had a big misspelling in that sentence. The president has the power to dissolve parliament whenever he, he or she, there's currently a she, chooses, which gives them authoritarian-like power over the legislature. Parliament members are protected from searches on their person, cars, and homes, which prioritizes their personal rights over those of the common people. These undemocratic elements of the Constitution were precursors to the corruption in Georgia's future. Now I'm going to skip over the body of details right now. I'm going to go to the basically the conclusion. Foreign democracies have a vested interest in seeing Georgia become a democracy in order to defy Russia. To serve as an example to former Soviet states and as a strategic barrier between Russia and the Middle East. The frequently repeated campaign promise of democracy shows the international community that Georgia is a beacon of democracy from the former Soviet states. International aid has and will continue to keep Georgia afloat economically. The United States would not to tolerate Georgia becoming a fully-fledged authoritarian regime because it is such an important example of democracy in the region. Georgia fulfills all the requirements of a democracy, but currently fails to execute it due to upper-level corruption. Georgia has had elections for representatives by the entire adult population, with moderate but inconsistent violations in procedure. Civil liberties are written in the Constitution and are well executed by the state ever since the police was reformed. Although media is heavily influenced by the state, the internet is open to give Georgians access to any information they need. The peaceful transition of Parliament in 2012 proved that Georgia was capable of accepting a regime change to match changes in public opinion. And although still present, corruption was cut drastically at the low and mid-levels of government after the Rose Revolution. All these characteristics place Georgia on a path to democracy. I'm now going to dive into the details of Georgia specifically. So I thank you for listening to the first part. If you're interested in the second part, stick along. If not, I understand, but I do think Georgia is an important case study. Most of Georgia's corruption was apparent prior to the Rose Revolution of 2003. 
At that time, Georgia struggled to develop as a country, but made impressive strides towards democracy. And in terms of this democracy, there were key factors that kept Georgia from being authoritarian. The Constitution was enforced effectively, and as a result, there were popular elections for Parliament and the President. These elections were open to everyone over 18, even though some intimidation and corruption skewed the results. Democracy was somewhat preserved because universal suffrage was present overall. The presence of free media and successful NGOs helped provide democracy because only informed citizens can vote effectively. Footnote, NGOs are non-governmental organizations. These NGOs also helped inform the international community on Georgia's activities. However, Georgia still had many problems resulting from being a weak state. College diplomas were often purchased more than they were earned, and the police force accepted bribes but rarely prevented crime. Barter capitalism was common in some areas, and the government did not have enough money to pay the military. These weaknesses allowed crime to escalate and hindered the protection of civil liberties. While democracy was slowly advancing, the country was mired in petty corruption and poverty, which bothered the people of Georgia. The breaking point occurred in 2003, when allegations of fraud in the parliamentary elections sparked a wave of anger across the country. Utilizing this public anger, Saakashvili, leader of the United National Movement, which is UNM, led a movement known as the Rose Revolution. In this revolution, tens of thousands protested in the capital, calling for a change of the corrupt government. As a result, the Supreme Court of Georgia nullified the election. Since protesting led to a change in the government, it proved that the government was democratic enough to respond to the will of the people. As a result of his movement's success, Saakashvili won the presidential election of 2004 with 96% of the vote. Saakashvili promised to change the country by making it a stronger and more democratic nation. Saakashvili's promise of an improved state carried much more merit than the promise of democracy. His UNM party passed many amendments to the Constitution that transferred power over to the president. With his new authoritarian-like power, Saakashvili greatly improved the status of Georgia while actually hindering its democratic development. Saakashvili fired entire sections of the police force and other corrupt administrations. By revolutionizing the tax system, Saakashvili expanded the government's budget by 700% from 2003 to 2005. This influx of money allowed Georgia to finally pay its police force so that they no longer needed bribe money. Electricity finally spread throughout much of the country and many of the roads were paved. The result of Saakashvili's efforts were drastically lower crime rates and a disappearance of corruption from the lives of everyday Georgians. The semi-authoritarian rule of Saakashvili saved Georgia from becoming a failed state, but frustration over the lack of democracy persisted. I want to take a quick break and say Saakashvili was generally seen as more authoritarian, but Georgia needed a strong hand to get back on track. And now that it was a better country overall to live in, uh, frustrations grew over a lack of the democracy. So uh, you'll see that emerge soon. Between 2005 and 2012, elections were far from fair. There were intimidations, beatings, and a lack of ballots at many polling places. Most of the media switched to a pro-government platform, and the UNM remained firmly in power. In 2007, Urekashvili tried to form an opposition party to the UNM. His subsequent arrest 
caused frustrations among the public, who took to the, to the streets again to protest against elite corruption. This was violently shut down by the police, who injured over 500 peaceful protesters and wrecked equipment in an anti-UNM media station. By punishing peaceful protesters, the UNM regime violated the freedom of speech, a core value of democracy. Saakashvili called a state of emergency and scheduled elections early in 2008. Accusations of fraud upon his re-election led to even larger protests, which ended when the international community drafted a compromise with protesters and the government. Georgia looked more authoritarian than democratic at this point, but all that changed when billionaire Bidenia Ivanashvili entered the political scene in 2011, and I am so sorry, Mr. Ivanashvili, for butchering your name. I'll get it right. <laughs> um, I know your last name, so we'll go with that. Ivanashvili formed the Georgian Dream Party in 2011, which campaigned against the UNM. Saakashvili tried to stop Ivanashvili by revoking his Georgian citizenship until the international community forced parliament to pass an amendment allowing Ivanashvili to run. Still, it seems that Saakashvili would win the election. However, a violent uh, video of abuse in Georgia's overcrowded prisons exposed the public to uh, the corruption and shifted public opinion heavily against Saakashvili. Combined with Ivanashvili's wealth and international support, this allowed the Georgian Dream Party to win parliamentary majority in 2012. Despite international predictions, Saakashvili did accept the election results gracefully and allowed the first constitutional transition of power in Georgia's history. This indicated that Georgia finally had the makings of a true democracy, because fair elections were used to transfer power from one faction to the other. But this transfer of power did not make Georgia a definite democracy. The fact that it took the richest man in Georgia to defeat Ivanish, to defeat Saakashvili means that not everyone has the same opportunity to enter the political arena. Democracies are supposed to allow anyone to run for office, but since it took such immense wealth to do so, most Georgians cannot. Also, the Georgian Dream Party ran on a platform of anti-UNM rather than proposing its own policies. This meant that to vote for the Georgian Dream was to vote against the UNM, but not for any specific policy. Democracies should have two factions competing with each other with uh, different ideas on how to run the government. The Georgian 2012 election simply rejected the semi-authoritarian rule of Saakashvili in the hope that Ivanashvili could promote democracy as well as the state. This hope lasted until the presidential election of 2013. On October 27th, Georgians elected the Georgian dream candidate by a wide margin. This is unsurprising considered the momentum garnered since the parliamentary election. This would show the public's appreciation for the new regime if it weren't for basic problems with the election. Watchdog Transparency International Georgia found more errors in procedure during this election than the one in 2012, for instance, having less ballots than voters. Russian occupation of breakaway portions of the country has always made it difficult for Georgians to vote, but this time, the Russians actually built a fence locking out a portion of the population from voting in these elections. Parliament passed a series of constitutional amendments, transferring many of the president's powers to the prime minister, making the parliament more all-powerful. Lastly, the turnout of eligible voters was only 46.6% compared to 60.8% in the 2012 elections. These were steps backward for democracy that underscored the gains of the 2012 elections. 
as stated by uh, someone I met who just happened to be Georgia, who was studying, who happened to be Georgian, studying at American University. I don't think democracy is actually occurring, since every leader that comes to the government molds the constitution to their own advantage. This exemplifies the pessimism most Georgians have about their country. Between the failed conflicts against Russia and the corruption in government offices, Georgians have little reason to care about politics anymore. Democracy depends on the will of the people to govern, so a lack of will creates a failed democracy. Freedom House, which is an uh, organization that rates different countries based on their uh, degree of freedom, judged Georgia to be a semi-free state. However, this rating is slowly improving, and at the current point, Georgia is on the fence between a semi-free and a free state. Georgia would then join Western allies like France and the United States, who are all classified as free. Writing this paper meant a lot to me at the time, because I'm ethnically Georgian, but I don't know my I didn't know my birth parents, and I didn't know much about the country I came from, and kind of just scrapped little pieces of information when I could. Now that I was at American University, and I had the full um, access to their library systems, academic articles and such, I had a really good look into the country. And not only was I looking at Georgia, I was looking at democracy, the, the spectrum between democracy and authoritarianism, which uh, all countries are somewhere in the middle between a pure democracy and a pure authoritarian state. I also want to reiterate that this is a comparative politics paper. It's not a high school civics class. In high school civics, you learn about democracy as some Athenian uh Athenian ideal in which everyone votes for everything at every time. That, that doesn't exist. It's impossible to, um, to do. That's high school level thinking. In college, you learn that democracy is a spectrum. It's how much individual liberties, how much freedom does each person have? Not just freedom from the government, but freedom to be who they want to be. Um, the tenet of liberal democracies nowadays seems to be you can do anything you want as long as it's not harming others. And then authoritarianism is uh, more towards the we're going to force you to do what we want kind of a thing. Authoritarianism is fewer liberties. The media is repressed or attacked. The state has its own media apparatus. Information is controlled. The internet may be censored. And there's been a greater trend towards authoritarianism that's been occurring for... I think 15 to 20 years, uh, and it's, it's concerning, honestly, because as we discussed in class, democracy is the better of the two. It may not be perfect, but democracy is the better of the two because it focuses on the people as opposed to the authoritarian leaders in control. Thank you for listening to the Honest Politics podcast. If you liked what you had to hear or you hated what you had to hear, you can send me a message Go to honestpoliticsllc.com, scroll to the bottom, and uh, write a message to me. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, have an interview that you can share with family and friends, let others know your perspective, just send me a message saying podcast request. I hope to see you next week as we discover more of the stories behind the statistics. Mm -hmm.